Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, today we are starting a new series, The Problem With, and we are going to be talking about world views. Now, this, this message has a warning on it, uh, so much so that I almost had to rewrite everything because my computer would not turn on yesterday, so all PowerPoint sermons, I even had a funeral that I had to rewrite, wouldn't turn on, so either it was God saying it, it really sucked, you need to rewrite the whole thing, or Satan said, I don't want this to be heard. Because I promise you today, what I will say will affect you in one way or another. Either it'll affect you that you know people who I'm talking about. Please, no pointing fingers. Uh, it's probably going to be maybe one of your kids, good friend, family member, coworker, Or this is going to be to you. And I do say warning on this. Uh, because as we go through the scriptures, as we talk about this, I believe as believers in Christ in America today, what we will be talking about, the problem with, is vitally important to the future of our children, to the future of not so much the church. We've been talking about the church. The church is going to survive us. It's not ever going to die, ever no matter our missteps or mishaps along the way. But there are things that have crept into the church, big C, big church worldwide, crept into the local church horizon, and I guarantee you there'll be some things that will be touched today that I hope will give you pause. I will hope that it gives you opportunity to think through some things as we discuss what is a biblical slash Christian worldview compared with the worldviews that are out there. Now, the problem with, I'd bought in a couple books last year at this time called The Problem with God and The Problem with Jesus by Mr. Mark Clark. And they're, and they're great books. They're uh, books that are apologetic in nature where it'll take a, a, a subject matter like The Problem with the Bible and then open that up. And so, I said, I love the title, I'm stealing the title, and we're going to cover some of those things. Next week, we'll be talking about the problem with God, then we'll be talking about the problem with Jesus, the problem with the Bible, and the problem with the sexes. Because in May, the first part of May, we're having uh, Mr. Beckett Cook here, um, who will be speaking to us. We're bringing him in uh, to talk about the whole issue of the LGBTQ and what the Bible has to say about that. If you want a preview of him, you can go on YouTube and watch Beckett Cook. Uh, he's got a great channel, and uh, he's a gentleman who was in the homosexual lifestyle for a long, long time and went in Hollywood, uh, had a meeting with Jesus, which changed everything. His book called Change of Affection, an excellent book, um, but talking about how do we as the church communicate, relate to uh, that part of this fallen world. And so we're bringing him here to speak. Not only is he going to speak in the morning, but then there'll be a youth opportunity where a bunch of churches are gathering together here, and he'll come and speak to them. 
and take a Q&A time. All, all are welcome to that event, uh, but we're really zeroing in on the youth of that. So here, here's the thing, the danger zone. Some of you are in the danger zone and you don't even know it. And I may say some things today that all of a sudden, am I in the danger zone? And I was going to play the song, Danger Zone, but then we'd get kicked off Facebook and YouTube, and you can't do that. And this is the question we're going to be asking. This is the, kind of the main point. The main question is this. How can we best be faithful to our calling in a world where it will never be normal to be a Christian and in a culture where it's becoming less and less so? How can we best be faithful to our calling in the culture that we're living in. Now, like that video said, our worldview is basically how we see reality in regards to everything. How we see reality when it comes to morality, when it comes to politics, when it comes to arts, when it comes to sports. I mean, all our worldviews, some of you have had worldviews when it, when it comes to sports. I love baseball. I don't have a particular team. I don't like what baseball's doing, but my kids bought the jersey and I like jerseys, so... But I haven't watched a game for a while. I haven't watched football for a while because of the political stance, because my worldview puts it that way. It affects what I watch. It affects what movies I take in. It affects what books, because that's where our worldview is taken. Yes, it's our worldview is established by how we live, how we're educated, the culture that we live in. That's partly. But it also is the music, the books, the movies, the media that we take in that is establishing our world view. And every worldview basically has to answer some questions. And there's a long list of 10 questions here, eight questions here. There's three questions I, I want to focus, actually 3.5, but technical. Where did we come from and who are we? The creation. If you believe God created you, then you're going to have a particular worldview. If you believe that you you know, that your great, 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 great granddaddy cried out of a, a pool of slime and walked onto the shore, then you're going to have a particular worldview. The, the fall, how did this world go get so bad? Well, it's well because mankind and we just need to, we just need more laws and legislation to do this, or because of Satan and the fall of Adam and Eve, depending on your view of how we got here, and depending on your view, how are we going to fix it? What do we got to do to fix this whole thing? Social justice or biblical justice, two totally different things. But that's all stemming from a worldview. And the two worldviews I'm really going to zero in during the series is there's the secular worldview, which is the most popular uh, in today. And many of the things that you know and you see, you'll go, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. And then there's a biblical or Christian worldview that we're going to zero in on. I will encourage you to, to buy this book. It's called Faithfully Different by Natasha Crane. It's an excellent book. Uh, there are many subjects in here I wish I could cover uh, time-wise, but it really is about as regaining a biblical clarity in a secular culture. Excellently written. And if you just YouTube her, you can find her online and watch some of her things and some of her discussions. Um, but when we look at the reality of what we're facing, and we dealt a little bit with, with the church as a whole in the, this last series, George Barna in his latest poll says this, that 17% of Christians 
who consider their faith important and attend church regularly hold to a biblical worldview. Not not 17% of Americans. Not 17% of people who call themselves Christians. 17% of Christians who consider faith important, coming to church on a regular basis, have a biblical worldview. Now think about that. In the room this size, how many people that represents who has it and who potentially doesn't? Those with a particular biblical worldview, guys, we are a minority within a minority. We're a small minority of people that actually hold a biblical, this is what the Bible says about things, and have not begun to borrow and beg from other world views. I try to cut this quote down, but I, I cut it down as much as I could to give the impact of this. This is written by a gentleman that says this, Christianity is no longer providing the consensus for our society. And Christianity is no longer providing the consensus upon which our law is based. It is not to say that the United States ever was a Christian nation in the sense that all or most of our citizens were Christians, nor is it the sense that the nation, its laws and social life, were ever full and completely expressions of Christian truth. There is no golden age in the past which we can idolize, whether it be early America, the Reformation, or the early church. But until recent decades, something did exist which can rightly be called a Christian consensus or ethos, which gave a distinctive shape to Western society and to the United States in a definite way. Now, this consensus is all but gone. And the freedoms that it brought are being destroyed before our eyes. We are at the time when humanism is coming to its natural conclusion in morals, in values, and in law. And that the society has today a relativistic values based upon statistical averages or the arbitrary decisions of those who hold legal and political power. Now, some of you who've been a church around the church, you'll notice that name, Francis Shaver. This is from The Great Evangelical Disaster, written in 1984, for almost 40 years ago. This is what he was saying. How did we get here so fast? How did we all of a sudden, where even though a nation that was built on Christian principles... How did we get so f- here so fast in regards to where everything is more of a secular worldview? And we'll discuss what that exactly means in a second. There's a great website. I use it often called gotquestions.org. And uh, I encourage you to use that if you have questions about the Bible or different things. It's a, it's a great resource. It listed six reasons why we've gotten where we, at, we are at so fast. Number one, they lack the knowledge of what the Bible says. What's my drumbeat been? Get in the book, get in the book, get in the book. You got to be in the book. But if you're not in the book and you don't know what the book says, it's easy to be swept away by other beliefs. Secondly, they reject what the Bible says on certain issues. Okay, I... I don't like that, so I'm going to take this view and this view and this view, but I'm going to borrow this view, this view, this view. 
I don't like what it says about here because I have a friend that's that way or you know, a particular couple that believe this way. So I'm not going to take what the Bible says in that particular point. There are those that are more concerned about what the world thinks to, of them than what God thinks. Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. They're lukewarm in their commitment to Christ. It's just plain and simple. They're neither hot nor the cold. They're right there in the middle. Or they're influenced totally by the Satan, the, the one who lies to the world. He's very good at his job. He's very deceptive, and he just turns things. And, you know, the Bible, you know, it's an old book. You don't need it. It's full of myths and errors, and it's obsolete. How many times do I keep hearing that? And lastly, they are swayed by their circumstances and doubts God's promises. Guys, everyone has doubt. Everyone's going to have doubt. It's what you do with that doubt that's important. It's where you go with doubt. Do I just doubt and leave it sit there and rest, or do I dig in and where is this doubt coming from? Where is it? Is it based on this? Is it based on fear? Is it based on this? And the tendency is that I have doubts and we just let it go and we don't deal with it. But we're, what we're facing as a church, as a body of believers, is nothing new. Paul warned us in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be conformed. He writes to the Colossians not to be taken captive. Don't be taken captive through the hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Even in Paul's day, the tendency is to lean into that. Peter warns in 2 Peter 3.16. He writes the same way to all the letters, and Peter's referring to Paul's letters, speaking the truth to them in, in these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort so that, and they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Guys, the distortion of scriptures is from day one. Well, I know that's what it says, but what he really means is, and we spin it. He says in 1 Peter 2, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. They just war, they just, they, they turn because this is the tendency, because the secular worldview pulls at the very sin nature that's within inside of us. John reminds us of the same thing in 1 John 4, 6. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. There is a spirit of truth out there, but there is a spirit of falsehood too. Do you recognize the difference? He says in 1 John 2, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the craving is a sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. It's nothing new. What is being done today and said that the only difference between when Paul and Peter and John wrote and today 
is there's a bigger stage and they have a louder sound system. Uh, when, you, when you begin to look at the power of social media, simple facts, you guys know this, 80% of Americans use social media, 80%. 69% of Americans are on Facebook and they check it, 75% of them check it every single day. And if you don't believe me, just sit around. I mean, I did a funeral yesterday. Just, so how many people were on their phones? How much instantly? And you say, oh, that's just horrible. Really? If you have an Apple phone, I don't know this on Samsung and all those other ones, but if you have an Apple phone, go to the thing and it'll tell you exactly how much time you're spending on social media on a daily basis. I guarantee you people, you do not realize just every time you touch your phone and pick it up, activate. And how powerful this is. I mean, literally, the average daily time on social media is two hours every day. Two hours every day. I, I was thinking about that going, what did we used to do with those two hours? Seriously. Two hours every day. Now, I know some of you don't care. You're not on this, not on this, on this. You, you continue. But imagine if you had to find two hours in your life. What you would have to stop doing? Or what have you stopped doing? That how easily it is to pull up that phone and just check the, and you're just swiping, swiping, swiping. That, was it FIFO, fear of missing out? Not FIFO, no. FOMO. FIFO is something else that we use in our family. <laughs> we won't go there. That's another topic altogether. And probably with the youth or just men sitting around a fire. Anyways, um, fear of missing out. We can't catch, and some of us actually believe when we're on these things, we're actually getting real news. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. But here's the power of that, guys. Just one example of this. There's a guy, two guys by the name of Rhett McLaughlin and Leek Neal. Some of you guys have seen them. They do the good mythical morning. Beginning 2020, they both renounced their faith deconstructed their faith to their 17 million subscribers. They each put a video on their YouTube of how they're destructing, I call it destructing. They call it deconstructing, but it's a deconversion. Deconversion, they're putting that aside and going to more of the agnostic view, more secular view. Millions upon millions. And they, the, the number of teenagers that came in, oh, I'm going to start doing that too. And the amount of parents that reacted to that. I mean, it really was a phenomenon. But this is happening all the time. Some of you guys remember the, the great challenge where they were going to commit the unforgivable sin on YouTube. It was years ago. They were going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So you guys remember that? And all of a sudden, all these people began to get on, and I, I, I blasphemed the Holy Spirit, YouTube, 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 YouTube. That didn't go very far or very long. This one? This has sustainability because what it's doing, it's deconstructing to the point where you may not have to go full circle into the secular worldview. You're just going to choose to camp out there in the and this is what the secular worldview, and, and just that, I mean, again, there's a hundred definitions we can use. This is one that makes sense to me that I found. Secular worldview is this. 
Feelings are the ultimate guide. It's how I feel. If it doesn't make me feel good, then it's not good. Happiness is the ultimate goal. Because, right, God wants me happy. Are you going to argue with that, that God doesn't want you happy? God wants me happy. Judging is the ultimate sin. Because if you judge me on what makes me feel good or what gives me happiness, that's wrong. You can't judge. And how quickly? Your Bible says, do not judge. Does it say that? does say do not judge lest you be judged. By the same nature you judge, it'll be judged against you. You got one finger pointing, you got three coming back at you. The same measure of judgment you use, God's going to use on you. It doesn't say do not judge, period. But in secular human worldview it does. Judging is the ultimate sin. And God is the ultimate guess. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a higher power. And if you want to do Jehovah, you want to do Yahweh, you want to do Buddha, it just, it's just, hey, it's just, they're, they're all the same and they all go to the same place and all saying the same thing. That's secular worldview. A biblical worldview is the Bible is the ultimate guide. You guys, I'm going to keep pounding that. You got to go to the book. This is our sieve. This is what we pour everything through. Holiness is the ultimate goal. That was the command of God, be holy as I am holy. Mankind is the ultimate sinner. <laughs> We're a sinner deep down inside. Now this is going to change that. It's who, we, it's who we are. And God is the ultimate focus. The problem is, is that We've taken those two things and we've put biblical on one side, secular on the other, and we have what I call the danger zone in the middle, the a la carte worldview, where I'm going to take a few of these things that I like and I'm comfortable with, and I'm going to take those things too because I want to be happy, I want to have good feelings, and what I do is I mix these two together. A little of this, a little of that, and I come up with my worldview, which is neither this nor that. And there are a thousand one of these, because why? I just get to pick and choose. It's like a huge salad bar and a potato bar and a, and a, and a protein and a food bar. Sorry, I'm about talking about food. I did, did all, all these things that I just get to pick and choose. And I can change from day to day going, you know, I was in the salad yesterday, but I'm going to go full carbs today. And it changes. And especially when society puts pressure on certain things, it really begins to change. Of what's popular, what not, and why. And so we enter this danger zone. Okay, this is because I believe, again, if I believe what Barnes said, that 17%, 17% of you sitting here have a biblical worldview, how much does that leave that you're either here or over there? And the Bible talks about here. I didn't write the words, 
Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. Jesus speaking to the church. I know your deeds. I know what you do. I know what you're thinking. I know how you're acting as you're dating. I know how you're acting when you go out. I know how you're treating your wife. I know how you're treating your husband. I know how you're treating your kids. I know how you're acting at work. I know your deeds. I know everything that you're doing. Church. That's true with the world that is not part of the church. That's true of us. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were all biblical worldview or just go secular. But you guys are begging, borrowing, choosing. You're just picking this, I'm picking this, and I'm picking this, and I'm picking this, and I'm going to do this. And God, you know, you know, he's just kind of like a big Santa Claus up there. He gives me what I wishes, click my heels, and there I am. So because you're lukewarm, because you're in that danger zone, because you're in the middle, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. If you've been in church long enough, you know that means the literal meaning, you make me want to vomit. Okay, I need to let that rest for a minute. If 17%, let's put it 20. Let's put it 25% which means three quarters of those who regularly go to church and regularly you know, want to be involved in worship and things have a a la carte view of, wow, I need to be happy. God wants this in my life. I can do whatever I want over here. I can date anyway. I can spend my money anyway. I can treat my family anyway. As long as I'm happy. Because God wants me happy. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a couple in divorce steps going, well, God wants me happy. You know, it doesn't say that anywhere. It doesn't. Tell that to the Christians in Ukraine right now. God wants you to be happy. They're running for their life. Really? It doesn't say that. Can you find happiness in God? Sure. But he uses the word contentment, which means happy in good and bad. And if you don't think any bad coming, you better buckle up. And God says, I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were all in or all out. Because you're right there in the middle. You're lukewarm. And it makes me sick. I want to throw up. I was going to pretend to throw up, but I knew that would, cha- that would cause a chain reaction in this room. Some of you have really extreme gag reflexes. You know who you are. But don't miss the point that the God of heaven is looking down in his church and saying, guys, you made me want to barf. Because you don't have to be that way. 
but you've chosen to be that way because that's our nature. Our nature is to slide into that. That's why secularism, that's why that side of the, the era is so popular because it goes into our sinfulness that I want to be happy, I want to be comfortable, I don't want to make anyone mad, I don't want to have a view that's going to tick this person off or this family member is not going to talk to me anymore. I, I, I just want to be at peace. That's our nature. That's our sin nature, speaking loud and clear. And that's why it's so popular. And that's why it's so popular because every one of us Christians, we have a sin nature to deal with. And we lean into that because we don't want the trouble that having a biblical worldview will bring. The cost of having a biblical worldview will bring. The secular world around of which we're surrounded by is fundamentally directly opposed to a biblical worldview. And Jesus told us that. They don't, I don't want to say the word hate because I never heard them say I hate you. I've seen it on YouTube and things. But Jesus told us they would. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Which is a good indication, guys, if the world doesn't hate you, that maybe you're in the danger zone. As, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you? No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They're treating you because you're choosing to believe what Jesus said. You're choosing to believe that the, the, what the Bible says is true. And because of that, that's why they're going to hate you. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they are have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. This is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. Now, I don't believe in America we're at that place of pure hatred yet. It's coming. When you look at Open Doors, when they, the ministry Open Doors, when they count the persecutions that are taking place, 340 million Christians right now are living in places that are experiencing persecution. Over 4,700 Christians have been killed for their faith this last year. 4,700. And we don't know one of their names. 4,500 churches have been attacked this last year. 4,200 Christians have been detained in trial or imprisoned right now because of their faith. 
We're not there yet. But we're getting there fast. How important it is to have and maintain a biblical worldview of what does the Bible tell me of how I should live, how I should date, how I should spend my money, how I should treat my family, how I treat my husband or my wife, how I treat my kids, how I, how I give, how I, how I use my money. You guys are all found in the scriptures. They're there. But the easy thing to do is, because <clears throat> that takes work. That takes a, maybe taking one of those hours off your two hours on Facebook or Instagram and spending the word. Ten minutes would do wonders. Because the Bible says it has everything I need to how to live this holy life. But if I don't know what it says, then I don't know how to live it. If I look at it and say, I don't like that because it's not popular today to believe this way. It's not, it's more, we just, we just, we gotta be caring and loving and accepting of everyone. I agree with that to a point. We'll accept anyone, how you come to this church. Now, this is a group of un imperfect people. I mean, how many times do I say, guys, if you knew what I thought this week, you wouldn't come hear me. But if I knew what you thought, I wouldn't let you in the door. So we're sinners trying to find us out under the grace of God, but God doesn't leave us there. And he has some things to say about those. And maybe it's, we've got, the seven, we've got all 17% of Horizon Community Church right here. It's that second service, people. <laughs> I'll say that the same way it's you first service people, next service. The God says, because you're neither hot nor cold. You haven't bought in either way. You're right there in the mail, buried all the cart, pick and choose them, pick and choose them. God says, you make me want to vomit. And the question today is, if we were honest, and God, and you really took a look at your life, would you have to hand God a vomit back? How can we best be faithful to our calling in a world where it will never be normal to be a Christian? culture where it's becoming less and less so. It's not going to get any easier. It's only going to get worse. And uh, someday we'll have to stand before God and give an account. This series is going to be directed at, guys, we need to get to that biblical worldview. We need to start chucking some of these things and, you know, I'm going to deconstruct this and I think times have changed. Guys, the word of God does not change. I have to apply. And that application will cost me. I promise you it will. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I even though it's painful at times to read. 
it pains me deeply when I see facts and figures of 17%. And even if I double that, that still scares me. And maybe Horizon's unique in that, but I don't think so. Father, I pray that maybe something said today will stir something in us to look at. God, is my life one that makes you sick? We all have things we do well. We all have areas we need correcting. So, Father, help us to see in what ways that needs to take place. And give us the strength to do what you call us to do. Using your word, that blessed, blessed word that you've given us to help us live this life, the life that you called us to live. And this we pray in Jesus' name.